weather. Yep, yep. And all the fun stuff this weekend, football games, all that kind of stuff was great. All went in the right direction. And uh, it sets the stage perfect today for you to hear from the Lord. You're not distracted by things that have gone on, right? You can just hear exactly what God wants you to hear today. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah, okay, good. God heard you all, so you're all getting to hear exactly what you need today. I'm glad that you're here. I really am. Man, I'm liking this series that we're in. We're in the middle of a series called Clickbait. And clickbait, y'all know what clickbait is. On the internet, clickbait are the things that the algorithms, those little programs behind the pages we're on, they figure out the things that we like. Over time, it figures out that you like woodworking or knitting or whatever the thing is that you like, and that gives you ads for that. And looking through um, your ads, I guess, I could tell what you're what you like in life. And sometimes those are good things and sometimes those are not good things in our lives. Uh, sometimes those things, they tempt us to click on things that are not good. And the reason that we've called this series clickbait, is, it's really the same way spiritually, isn't it? It's the same way because Satan knows what our clickbait is in life. And really it's pretty similar. Have you ever, have you ever thought to yourself, does anybody else struggle with this? Is that just me that's thought that? Yeah. Everybody, well, I wouldn't say everybody, somebody, many people struggle with the same things we struggle with. There's nothing new under the sun. We all struggle with the same struggles as everybody else. And so what I'm hoping to do through this series is really pull some of those clickbait things, those spiritual clickbaits out in life and help us to overcome them. Last week, we talked about fear and how taking Psalm uh, chapter 3 and working through Psalm chapter 3, you can pray through your fear. How David started off, you know, oh no, what, what in the world's happening? How many people are going to turn against me? All of these negative things. And within a few chapters, he's starting to, or a few verses, he's starting to call on God. And by the end of it, he's declaring victory over all the things in his life. And if you read all eight verses, it takes you about 12 seconds. So in 12 seconds, David does an about face. How many of you know that probably wasn't written in 12 seconds? Yeah, that happens as those emotions come out, as you think about those things. He probably wrote a couple of verses and hung out on that for a little bit. And that's the same way it is in our life. We get, we get sucked in sometimes by clickbait, and we have to process through that. We have to find out how to overcome this stuff in our life. And, and today we're going to talk about um, the overall general umbrella of clickbait. I call them the big three. Now, how many have ever seen the movie Fury? Oh, yeah. How many of you love the movie Fury? The tank war movie? All right, this is your homework for this week, okay? Rent the movie. It's amazing. And in, what, what's funny is in the middle of it, though, they're, they're in a real bad scene. They're probably all fixing to die. I don't, I'm not going to tell you what happens. But um, uh, Brad Pitt is kind of the head tank commander. And they're in the middle of this scene. And he is just the... Uh, Bad to the bone, doesn't give a care about anything. The bad guys, he just wastes them and then wastes them some more to make sure they're dead and all that kind of stuff, except for now that some of his guys are dying in the tank. And he quotes a Bible verse. And they just thought he's just so, you know, lost and carnal and all that. And one of the guys kind of looks at him and he's like, you old dog. You know, I mean, he like, he gets it that sometimes our front is not exactly who we are, that we understand some things a little deeper. And he reads, or he quotes this verse 
which really gives us the big three. It's the first letter from John, uh, 1 John chapter 2. Let me read it to you, verse 15 through 17. It says it like this. Do not love the world or anything in the world. Maybe one of the most difficult lines in the Bible right there. Do not love the world or anything in the world. And he goes on. If anyone loves the world, if anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world. And then he tells us what that everything is. He gives us, really, he gives us categories. He doesn't give us an exhaustive list. He gives us categories. And he says this. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These things, they, they come not from the Father, but from the world. And this is important, this last line, because you understand what he's doing here. He's drawing a line between these things come from God, these things come from the world. Don't, don't trust in these things. That from the world, and here's why. Verse 17 says, the world and its desires pass away. And whoever does the will of God lives forever. You understand what he's saying? The, the lust of the eye, or the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These things, if you get caught up in these things, your life focuses on these things. Then when the world and its desires pass away, you have nothing. But if you don't get caught up in these, if you can control this in your life, this clickbait in your life, then when the world passes away, you're not worried because you built your life on something else. Isn't that good? It's a profound verse in the Bible, and it gives us kind of the overall umbrella of the categories of the clickbaits in our life. So let's run through those three real quick, and then I'm gonna, we're going to talk about some solutions. The first one is the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh, those are the things in your notes, if you're taking notes, those are the things I call our passions, those are the, the sexual sins, the gluttony, and really it boils down to the, the lust of the flesh. Really, those are the excessive pleasure things, the things that we don't, we don't have control over. We, we, we give up control over in our lives, and we indulge in those, those pleasure things. It's where you become mastered by your emotions versus you mastering your emotions. Elbow your neighbor and say, this one's for you, Okay. It's, it's a difficult one because at different stages of life, we are, we are tempted to click on different areas of the lust of the flesh. Different struggles in life approach us with different temptations. And so the second one, that was the first one, lust of the flesh is our passions. The second one he talks about is the lust of the eyes, which are our possessions. Those are the material possessions, the wealth, our material worth in our life. And those things can really draw us to where our entire life is focused on that, can't they? Those, the things that become our, our 401k, our retirement, what do we get, our next job, our next position in life, those kind of things that they can really control the direction of our lives, can't they? Isn't this a super encouraging message? Well, that's why we're going to go through this part quick. But it's important because it's important for us to understand, listen, just look around real quick. Look around the people sitting in your aisle, your, your row, the, your section, that kind of stuff. Listen, everybody here deals with the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh. Everybody here. But what's great about it is let, let's identify these things. Let's talk about these things real awkwardly and openly for just a moment. And then let's look at how God helps us to overcome. Because can I tell you this? Listen, when, when I first became a believer in college, I'd been told my whole life that just about everything but breathing was sin, okay? And, and 
not a whole lot of fun. And, and that, man, God's just up there. He's just this, you know, this big old mean job of the hut, and he's just waiting. And if you mess up, it's like, you get to start over again somewhere, right? That's kind of my picture of, of God growing up. And then I give my life to Christ, and I start reading it for myself. And I really start to see that really since the beginning of time, it's really not about us trying to please God like sometimes we feel like. It's really like us, or God trying to find ways to get us to him. He's constantly doing that. And the reason I say that is, would, would John identify these things if God had not given us a plan to overcome them? God doesn't set us up for failure. Can I tell you that God designed you for success? And he give, gave you everything. Everything it says for you to live according to his will. And I love that. That's why when we get caught up in the lust of the eyes or the lust of the flesh or the pride of life, I, I kind of have to push off for a little bit and go, no, 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 hold on. This is not God's design for my life. God didn't design it this way. This is what I've got sucked into. I've, I've clicked some clickbait. You know what I'm saying? Let's figure out how to overcome this and let's whoop its tail because that's how God designed it. Amen? And then the third one, the pride of life. Woo! The pride of life is our position. It's our position. Can I tell you, this is probably like the original sin. You think about why was Satan kicked out of heaven? The pride of life. He saw what God was in charge, his authority, and he thought, I, I want that. He rallied some of the, the angels to fight against God. There was a war in heaven. Can you imagine? I want, I want that book. I want to read more on that. It was the original sin. What, what was the very first sin on earth in the Garden of Eden? You remember Satan came to Eve and he said, why don't you eat this fruit? And Eve said, no, that, that's forbidden. God said not to eat that because we would die. And he goes, did he really say that? You know why God, you remember this line? You know why God really doesn't want you to eat that, right? Because you'll become like him. Pride. You do want to be like God, right? You don't, you don't have to take orders from him. You make up your own rules. You can, you can decide what's sin in your life. You can decide what's good and bad. You, you understand pride is the original. These three, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, our passions, our possessions, and our position in life. These are the things, whatever the... the detail sin is, these are the big things that we struggle with. These are the things. And can I just tell you, from, from the beginning of my faith, I, I've come up with the same answer, told to me, not me invent it, told to me over and over and over and over. I used to think it was like a theological cop-out. When I would go to our, my pastor or go to my, my cousin who was the youth pastor at the little church I started attending, and I would say, okay, I'm struggling with this. I'm used to doing this in my life, and I want to do that. But I know it's not good. What, what, what should I do here? And all these things. They would, one of the first couple of answers that I would get is this. You're going to have to choose. You're going to have to choose which direction to go. And I thought, well, you went to Bible college for that? Duh, I know I have to choose. But then I started living it out. And how many of you know you don't just have to choose on Sunday? Right? You can't just choose on Sunday which direction my life's going. And then on Monday you go, no, no, I chose on Sunday. You're going to have to choose again on Monday and maybe Monday morning and maybe Monday afternoon and maybe Monday evening. As, as the clickbait appears in our life 
and we struggle with our possessions or we struggle with our passions or our position, we have to understand that, listen, if God is on my side, then, then I'm going to choose not the things of the world that are going to pass away, but I'm going to choose something that's going to be here forever. I'm going to choose somebody that designed me to win. I'm going to choose God through this situation. Amen? And so it, it's, it's a lot like, I think a, a, a passage that stands out to me is the same thing Joshua told the people. They were really struggling with this in the nation of Israel thousands of years ago. And Joshua says it like this. In Joshua 24, he was the, the leader. He had taken over from Moses. And Joshua tells it to the people like this. But if you're serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day, today, whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates. Everybody say Egypt. That's, that's what he's talking about. Remember where Moses delivered our ancestors from. Are you going to serve those gods? Are you going to serve the gods of the Amorites? Whose land that you're living in? You're picking up lots of uh, things from culture. Are you going to serve those gods? You understand like it's a really relevant little statement that he's come up with. Are you going to serve what, what mom or grandpa or somebody in your past has told you to serve? Are you going to serve what culture is telling you to serve? And then he says, well, here, as the leader, here, here's who I'm going to serve. And he goes on and he goes, but as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and the people in my house, we're going to serve God. Now let's watch each other over the next few years and see how it goes. Can you imagine? Like Joshua's calling them out. But it's great for us, and it reiterates exactly what my pastor in 1993 would tell me. Scott, you got to choose. you got to choose. First and foremost, you're going to serve the Lord. And then the rest of it's going to follow. And here, here are some things that, that I've picked up over the years that help me to choose best. And these are in your notes. Man, I'd, I'd encourage you to write them down. They're really in no order. But these are the things that help me overcome those big three. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. I wish, listen, I wish that I could just take them out back, dig a hole, shoot them, and bury them. Amen? I wish I could just, like, get real, real big courage one day and kill it all, and then tomorrow it's not there anymore. I would love that. But Jesus said, while you're in this world, you're going to have trouble. So you know what that tells me? You, you're going to have to be ready for trouble. Let me ask you a question. Are you ready for trouble? It's pretty quiet. Are you ready for trouble? Are the, the person you chose to live for, are they ready for trouble? Is Jesus ready for trouble? Absolutely. He said, while you're in this world, you're going to have trouble. But you remember the other half? He said, but take heart. I have kicked trouble's rear. It's the Morris version. <laughs> I have overcome this world, is what he says. Take heart. Come on, be encouraged. I've overcome the world. Amen? It, you're going to have a little trouble. You're ready for it. You can handle it. Me and God together, who can come against us? Nobody. Pride can raise its head, and we're going we're gonna to deal with that. Lust can raise its head, we're going to deal with that. Let's look, at the, let's look at these three. First one is this. We're going to make some choices. This is what I do. You choose to make the most of now. Listen, you can get into a lot of what would happen yesterday, what would happen tomorrow, what's going to happen today, all that kind of stuff. But I want to tell you what, the, the most incredible amount of power you have right now is now. It's not what your money is worth. How many of you know what, what happens when the stock market falls out from it? Your 401k goes to a 201k in a day, right? 
All that confidence, all that building up. I remember getting this statement in the mail. Been putting into it for like 15 years. I'm a big boy now. I'm putting in the 401k. And get that, and it went like we had 51% of what we had last month. 2008. Remember it like it was yesterday. Because of the, the, the real estate, stock market, all of that crashed at once. It was terrible. You know what it reminded me? Not to count on the world for the future. It reminded me to make the most of right now in my faith. I can't count on anything in the future. Do I still put it in 401k? Half of it and the other half in my mattress. All right, I just want to be honest. <laughs> no, I don't do that. When my great-grandparents died, we were cleaning out their house, and we found over $1,000 under my grandma's side of her mattress. Was she smart? She had all the money she ever needed right below her, right there. Ephesians 5 says it like this. Be careful then. Be very careful then. Be very careful then. What, what's he trying to say? I think, with my theological training, he's saying be very careful. You understand what clickbait can do to you? I mean, isn't it amazing? Have you ever accidentally, have you ever accidentally clicked on something and it opened like 47 other websites just chung, 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 chung. and you're like close, 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 close and you're just trying to do it as fast as you can and, and you thought I will ne and you remember that thing I'll never click on that button again in my life isn't that exactly the way evil is in our life I mean you just touch it and it just boom, 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 boom and it just opens up everything it's exactly the way it works be very careful then. Live intentionally how you live. And here are the two choices. I love it. Super simple. Not as, not as unwise, but as wise. And here's the, for the reason. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Listen, it is, it's very easy for me to come up with plans and processes and systems. That's the way my depersonality works. When somebody comes to me, some people will come to me. I apologize if this has been you. You come to me and you go, Scott, this has happened in my life. I'm really sad. I'm really down. Because my mind is immediately going, okay, solution number one, we're going to do this. I'm going to ask them if they've been through this class, have they approached this, and they need to buy this book. They need to do this system. We're going to get a plan for the next two weeks. Like that's the way my mind's rolling out. And then my, the, the EQ side, not the IQ, the EQ side says, oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. That's the way my mind works. But can I tell you, what matters is right now. Right now. What are you going to do right now? Who are you going to follow right now? It's super easy for us to go, you know what? Tomorrow, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a day off today. I'm going to relax today spiritually. And then tomorrow I'm going to get back after it, right? Saturday's like my day off. Sunday I'll get back after it. Sunday through Friday, that's when I'm pretty, pretty serious about that. But can I tell you, who knows that we're going to have Sunday? Who knows that Monday's going to be here? Make the most of now. I tell you, you never regret making the most of now. I've never said, man, I wish I hadn't lived for Jesus on Friday. It really just kind of makes a boring Saturday. Never has happened. But there have been many times that I thought, well, I wish I, I, wish I hadn't skipped my devos this morning because I need them right now. I wish I hadn't skipped my prayer time this morning. I think that would come in handy right now. The second one is this. 
I choose to get rid of every distraction. This was an epiphany in my life. When I got saved, I thought that I thought that I got saved. I heard that Jesus came in and forgave me of all my sin. He cast my sin as the far as the east is from the west into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. All of these analogies throughout scripture I was told. And I thought, that's it. I'm a new creation. I don't have to worry about the old stuff. I didn't realize that as soon as you kill that stuff, it just grows right back up like a weed in your life. And, and then I read Hebrews 12. And here's the epiphany. And it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So we just read through Hebrews 11 before you read this verse. And it's all these great men and women of faith throughout scripture. And then you end up verse 1 of chapter 12. And it says, since we're surrounded by all these great men and women, this great cloud of witnesses that you have just heard the example of. And you can even go back in the Old Testament and read the stories of. Here's what we should do. Let us throw off everything. Everybody say everything. Woo! Everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance. Let us run with perseverance. Let us not quit or take a break. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us throw off everything? I thought Jesus saved us from everything. Right? I thought when I got saved, I don't have to worry about anything else. I just thought it was roses and rainbows. And you realize, you start, you continue living, you go, you still have to live in this world. And there's still things that if you're not careful, you get entangled with. And when I was growing up in, in Duncan, northeast of Duncan, there's a lake called Clear Creek. And they have a spillway. That's just a concrete spillway. When the lake gets up enough, it, it runs over, runs out, keeps the level the same, or keeps it at the height. And we would always love it when it would rain because it would put just enough over that all the moss that was kind of like in the rocks and dried out and everything, it would all spring to life. And if you give it a day after it rained and the water levels would come back down, but there's still water running, we would, you'd go out there and it'd be all the little hood kids. We'd all be lined up on the spillway. And it's just concrete slope for like 150 yards, big old long thing. And we would all have our cardboard. And it would, all, it would only take one because you could get out on that spillway. It was flat on top. But if you took one step off of it. Anybody ever seen Christmas Vacation? You know when O'Clark's got the sled? That's exactly like the spillway at Clear Creek. It was just coated with a thin layer of moss, and you could be 12 pounds or 612 pounds, and it was all the same speed, light speed. And, and you'd, have, you'd have to do it just right. It was, it, was, it was kind of tricky. You had to learn the system. You had to put the, con the cardboard under you, and you had to hold it on the back so it didn't come off when you jumped, and you had to hold it on the front. But you, it, your legs had to straddle it because that's what steers you. You know, you had to push that and kind of keep you going because you didn't want to go off the end of it where it hit the, the dirt, and there were some rocks and logs and all that kind of stuff. You need to be slowing down by then so when you hit that stuff, you could stand up. Yeah. And... It was my favorite thing in the world. We probably only did it three or four times in the summer because we were kids and we had to wait till somebody went out there to the lake. It's about 10 miles away for us to do it. And it was so fun because we would sit down and you'd get as low as you could and then just hopped. You just kind of whoop. And when you hit that, you just, you know, it's just concrete, but it was just jet. And probably by the end of it, I mean, literally you're probably going 40 miles an hour. You're just flying in your little shoes and you're just eating moss and everybody's covered with little speckles of moss. It was a blast. Can I tell you what the most fun was? Somebody that had never done it before. 
Somebody that come walking out and they've got like, you know, decent clothes on or decent shoes and they didn't have any cardboard. Do you have to have cardboard? No, no, no. You just be on your butt the whole time. What could go wrong there? And we, we would tell them, yeah, all you do is just step off and you'll go. And that was not a lie. It was the most painful way to go. But the, 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 the catch was when you stepped off and you put your weight on that front foot, you're gone. There's nobody on this planet. There's no spike shoes, no secret science suction shoes that could stop you. Once you put your weight on it, you're just gone. And it was always a blast to watch the new kid come out. Yep, come on, step down. You just step down and you'll take off, which is very true. You just take off from this position about four feet off the ground versus sitting on cardboard. Can I tell you, that's, that's exactly the way this scripture, that's exactly what it reminds me of. It reminds me of that old spillway. It says to, that we should throw off the things that so easily entangle us. And how many times have we walked up on something and everybody's laughing and everybody's having a blast? You go, oh, I want to have fun. Is this, is this where you have fun? Yep, just take one step. That's all you got to do. And you take one step and you're launched. The first thing is giant amount of fear. The second thing is pain as you bounce off the concrete. And then followed by 30 seconds of terror as you're going down thinking, I'm fixing to die. And there's always a stray log laying there or something like that, a turtle that you have to go around. And if you don't know how to steer, you know, you're just going to careen right into it. And I, and I would think about this as I read Hebrews 12 going, this is, this is what happens to me with the lust of the flesh. This is what happens to me with the pride of life. Isn't the grass always greener on the other side? It always, everybody's all having fun on the spillway. It always looks great. You know the old saying, if the, if the grass looks greener on the other side, the water bill is probably higher? That's a great saying. It, it costs you more to live over there. And it's the same way we have to understand in the middle of that, God gives us the power. And he sets us free, initially sets us free from all of that. But we have to understand, and that's why, that's why now is so important. Point number one is so important. But point number two is that we have to understand it is up to you and me to go that thing continually sneaks up on me and entangles me. This thing continually creeps into my life and drags me down. This thing I'm not putting up with anymore. I used to tell one of the guys when I, a few years ago, I started exercising and I lost a whole bunch of weight and all that. Kind of stuff. And he was like, how do you do it? And I said, I quit eating sweets. And he goes, oh, I can't quit eating sweets. How do you do it? And I told him, I said, man, you just take it out back and kill it. And he goes, what are you, What? And I said, well, what, what you have to do is, just, I, I went cold turkey. I just have to go cold turkey. I can't ease off of that stuff. I have no, no moderation in life. You just have to get off of that. And it's amazing, that little, like, we were just kind of joking about it, but that's exactly what Scripture tells us. Like, be careful that these things that entangle us, that you, when you see them entangling you, that you get rid of them. It doesn't say wean them off of you. Amen? It says get rid of those things. Think about that for just a second. Before we go on to this last point, round it up. It's, it's super important. I believe God gives us an opportunity right here and now. Really. In, I mean, we're a church family. We're showing up today worshiping the creator of the universe. We're reading his word, his inspired design for life. And I think it would be unwise to rush through this. Think about those things in your life right now that continually entangle you. Entangle you. Pull you in. 
Can I tell you that God has given us through his spirit. It's one of the fruits of the spirit. God has given us the ability to rid ourselves of things that continually entangle us. You can overcome the world. You know how I know that? Because he said you could because he did. Let's not ever chintz out on the earth. Don't take the opportunity to rid ourselves of the things of this world. The third one is this. Choose to prioritize Jesus in my life. Now, you'd think I'd start with that, but really it's the anchor for everything. Listen to Philippians. This is what it says. Philippians 3, verse 7 and 8. I once thought these things were valuable. Doesn't that make sense? Those, Those things that entangle us, sometimes they look very valuable. A position in life, it looks very valuable. A possession looks very valuable in life when we put a lot of effort into it. Only to get there and realize it didn't meet my needs. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. What he's done in the world overall, but what he's done in me. I consider those things that I worked so hard for last week. It just doesn't make any sense to chase after that anymore. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite knowledge or the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And it is for his sake that I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Can I tell you, that's what it really boils down to for me. Sometimes my strategies don't work. You know what I mean? Like the take it out back and kill it. That sounds great. Sometimes the clickbait has a hold on you. But can I tell you, what I keep coming back to is, you know what, Lord, I've chosen you. I'm sorry that I've made the mistake. I'm sorry that I took Tuesday off or whatever the situation is. But you know what? I'm not renouncing my faith. I'm going to get closer to Christ because of the clickbait in my life. Does that make sense? Like I'm going to draw closer to him so that I can have more of that fruit of the Spirit, which are actually the things that overcome that. Anybody watch the news the last couple of days about the marathon runner in Austria? His name, I, I... is Elude Kippage. I actually watched a video on how to pronounce his name. I'm like, how do you pronounce that? And you watch, and it's him saying, he goes, Elude Kippage. I'm like, well, that didn't help. Elude Kippage. You know what he did on Friday? In a marathon in Austria, he's the first human being ever, ever, to run a sub-two-hour marathon. He averaged 13 miles an hour for one hour, 59 minutes, and 40.4 seconds. People say it can't be done. Almost anything can be done. Sometimes we, 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 we tell God, I don't think it can be done. Not me. Do you realize how hard it is for me to get rid of these things? Do you realize how hard it is for me to walk with you? God said, I'm just waiting on you. That's, that's a cool story. Can I tell you an even cooler one? Anybody ever heard of the Australian potato farmer named Cliff Young? Didn't think so. Cliff Young is a potato farmer. In 1983, he was 61 years old. 61. He had a giant potato farm, hundreds of acres, and uh, a bunch of sheep on it. He had decided, he had ran a few 5Ks. The running was starting to be a big deal. And he had decided they have a, uh, the name of it is called the Sydney to Melbourne Ultra Marathon. And they run from Sydney to Melbourne. It's 544 miles. This is his first 
anything over three miles that like any race that he ran. He's not a professional runner. He's a 61-year-old potato farmer. He shows up to the race in gum boots, you know, those rubber boots, and overalls. Go check it out. It's the facts. It's amazing. He signs up for the race. He starts the race and takes off, and he's got a slow, awkward pace. The reporters and stuff are talking about him. You can watch all kinds of cool stuff on the Internet about him. What happens on this ultra marathon for five days, it takes them five days to get there. What happens is that at night, everybody sleeps for six hours, and they start again in the morning. Cliff didn't know that, so he just kept running. He was way behind everybody at when the sun went down, when the sun came up, he was way ahead of everybody. Cliff didn't understand the rules of the race that the world had set out. He didn't understand the rules that everybody else had come up with. Now, they weren't really rules. They were just traditions. This is what they did. You didn't have to sleep, but it was kind of agreed everybody would sleep. Cliff didn't know that. Cliff ran for five days, ten hours, and four minutes and set a world record for 544 miles, almost 12 hours faster than anybody had ever ran in gumboots and overalls. The four guys behind him that finished second, third, fourth, and fifth, they also broke the record. Isn't it amazing? If you don't play by everybody else's rules and you don't take time off what you can do in life. And here's what's the coolest part. Those other four guys, they weren't planning on breaking the record. You know what they were trying to do? They were trying to keep up with the guy out front leading. And he pulled them across the finish line past the world record. For the first 10 or 12 years of that race, it was the most, the, the most uh, difficult race in the world, 544 miles. And a 61-year-old potato farmer ran for five days straight, only stopping to go to the bathroom and grab some stuff to eat on the way. And beat some of the greatest runners in the world. Can I, the reason I tell you that is because we have so many preconceived ideas because of our past. Because of what somebody's told us. What the world has put up before us. Listen, if you, if you would have saw me the night I got saved. You would leave the church today and never come back to South Point. Not while I'm the pastor. And you would have probably said, no, that dude, he'll be dead in 12 months. Do you understand? Sometimes what we see can fool us. You better go off of what you know. You better, that's why it's so important to read God's word. Those three or four little verses that we read today are so powerful. I, all the time when I get tempted to click on some clickbait in my life to take part of that lust of the eyes or lust of the flesh or the pride of life, do you know what I do? I go, hey, Scott, this is up to you. There's no miracle going to happen. This is up to you to keep yourself off this. You need to get up out of this chair and leave or you need to leave the office or you need to do whatever. Like you need to go put some effort into walking your faith out. And it all boils down to what do I do? I'm prioritizing Jesus in life, not my position. I'm prioritizing Jesus in life, not my possessions. And it's only when I do that that I'm able to break records that I thought yesterday would never be broke. Set new levels for myself in my life that I can go, you know what, I can do this. I can. Sometimes I can. With God's help, I can. And that's how I want to pray today. I want to pray for us today that these things, the, the pride of life, lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, the possessions, and these things that they do not have to have control of our lives. 
And I want us to pray something powerful today. I don't know how you're used to praying. I don't want to do anything weird or get you distracted by that. But what I do want to do is each of us to call upon God for help in our lives to walk according to his ways. Amen? To walk according to his ways. What does what that first verse say? The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. I don't want to put my life on things that are going to pass away, and then I'm standing there with nothing. But Lord, I accumulated so much in life. It's all gone. I want to be standing there and going, Lord, you know that I put you first. And although I worked for a house and worked for a car and worked for a 401k, I did that. They were not the focus of my life. They were not clickbait. They did not own me. I owned them. I told them how we're going to work, how we're going to work together. Amen? And I pursued God with the rest of it. As we, as I pray, will you pray today? Let's do something supernatural. Let's say, Lord, you know these things in my life. If you have to whisper so somebody near you can't hear you and you don't want Anybody know that's great, that's fine. Let's tell him today, Lord, I'm, I'm giving you this. Lust of the eyes, I'm getting rid of it. I'm going to make some changes in my life. Lust of the flesh, I'm changing these things. The pride of life, I'm refocusing what's important to me. Bottom line is I'm putting you first, Lord, in everything. Let's pray that together. Jesus, I'm so thankful for you. So thankful for you in our life. So thankful that you have overcome the world and so can we. I know that every person in this room, Lord, we all struggle with different things. But as we from day to day and hour to hour, as we put those things in your hands. As we say, Lord, I know you see me right where I'm at. Help me to overcome this. Help me to make a plan. Help me to do away with it. Help me to change my focus. That the fruits of your spirit come out in us, Lord. The power, the strength understanding, wisdom, self-control, those things. When we prioritize you in life, those are the fruits of our life. And so, Lord, today we give those things to you. We give you our, our passions, we give you our possessions, and we give you that position struggle in life. It's not that we don't still want the promotion. It's not that we don't still want nice things, but they, they have to be in the right priority. They can't lead us. We have to lead them. So we give them to you today, Lord. Help us to have wisdom and discipline. See what needs to happen. Give us courage and strength to take action. And Lord, no more are the clickbaits of life going to dictate what we see, hear, listen to, act on. We prioritize you, Jesus, in everything that we do. We give it to you. When we struggle, we're going to come to you. When we get entangled, we're coming to you. When we fall down the spiritual spillway, we're going to come to you, Lord, and ask for help and direction. And we're going to get better at it. In your name, we're going to get better at it. In Jesus' name, we're going to get better at it. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Amen. Amen. Amen.